I knew I needed to do something, but I didn't know how to do it on my own. Um, and when I found the different organizations, you know, what I'm doing to help is not what I envisioned. That was you twisting my arm and saying, please do it this way, because it's not what I had envisioned in my mind. But I also had to kind of check myself and say, hey, if, if you're called to do it, you don't control the terms. I need to really kind of open and, and listen with my head and my heart um, on how how to help. Welcome to Brighter Stories, the podcast about eliminating poverty and empowering people by giving them the tools they need to build independent lives that they love. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Henson. In this series, we'll tackle a variety of topics like outreach and what it means to do life with someone and more. We'll hear testimonies from graduates of the restoration program. Victory Mission's long-term discipleship program that transforms lives through a holistic approach. I hope this podcast will challenge and encourage you and will start discussions about how we can help our neighbors write brighter stories for their lives. Dan Ryder lives in the public eye in Springfield, Missouri as the general manager for the Springfield Cardinals but his volunteering did not live in the limelight because he's been volunteering with Victory Mission for over five years. So what made him come out of the woodwork and share about his personal experience? It's because he believes you need to hear about his North Star. You need to hear about how he made the decision to serve with a local nonprofit to not go it alone. He wanted to share how he thought one way and his agenda shifted as he got to know people who were experiencing homelessness. Let's jump in. Hey, so we got uh, Dan Ryder, general manager of the Springfield Cardinals here, hanging out with us. And Dan, I know you're a you're kind of a quiet guy in where you serve and how you help people. Uh, so I appreciate you coming in because you have been serving down at Victory Shelter and uh, in, in teaching men in our long-term programming for like many years now. I think it's about five years. Uh, I was thinking about that on the drive over here. Is I think it's been about five years, and and I have stayed quiet about it. Um, just cause I think that's, uh, you know, it, it's not meant to get recognition. It's meant to be quiet. Um, but ultimately, when you asked me, you know, I, I talked to my wife about it, and she's like, you know, at some point, like you're gonna do more good by talking about it than just doing it. So it's still weird to do this because I have been very silently doing that. Yeah, we met. After you came and spoke at one of our Rotary Clubs, I'm in Rotary Southeast here in Springfield, Missouri, and I come, and you came, and, and then I just approached you afterwards, and you said, man, I was on your website, like, last night, and I was like, are you kidding me? And so, you just came, we did a tour, you found out more about what it was, and then you were like, hey, I like to help people, you know, be more outgoing, or know how to have social capacity and like what it means to interact and network and all that stuff because that's kind of been everything you've done in your career like you won things because you're outgoing and you care about people and you're kind of a social butterfly I, I like people I mean that that's very simple for me I like people my favorite part of my job is I like people and and even the guys in the class they we always do one session where it's just open question and 
one of them will always ask me, why did you get involved? Why did you do this? Uh, and for me, the answer, it, it really started with my father-in-law. Um, he bought uh, us a devotional for Christmas. He got the same devotional for um, all three of his daughters, and him and his wife were doing it. And I had never done a devotional. Um, I'm Catholic, and so during Lent, I always kind of had my Lent thing that I would do, but I never had done a yearly devotional. And as I was reading through the devotional, um, you know, it just kind of became more obvious to me what I felt that I should do. And then I'm literally looking at different organizations in town that deal that that somehow impact homelessness. Um, and I, it was just crazy. Then seeing you the next day, it was kind of like, all right, you know, if you don't go do this, like God is really trying to beat you over the head with a baseball bat to say, go do this. So to not would have been spiteful towards him. So that was uh, the timing was amazing. Well, and like we were we were talking about, you know, before we kind of got on air here, um, you were sharing about some challenges downtown. And so homelessness kind of was touching you because you work downtown. Like you get to drive down, you know, some people can live on a different part of town and maybe not see homelessness every day. You're driving downtown, your office is right there. And so you've already seen some of the challenges that people are downtown kind of walking around, carrying all of their belongings and stuff, you know, at the games. People may be trying to get in, grab food. There's railroad tracks right there. Everything is, you've experienced that personally. Yeah, we have. Uh, and luckily, nothing that's been bad. And I think that that's one of the things that I, uh, Victory Mission has helped me learn more about homelessness. And I think people's perceptions before they get to know them as people um the perception is worse than how people actually are. Um, but when we've had any issues around the stadium, they're really, it's there and you see it sometimes, but there's not been major issues. Um, people will usually move on when they're addressed. Um, we really haven't had problems. We've had more problems with youth vandalism than when we have any sort of uh, homelessness. Um, but yeah, down, same, anytime you're downtown, probably in any area, you are going to see it. And um, at our location, we do. Um, but, but again, they're always... They're always very respectful to us. That's great to have that feedback, and that's that's the reality that we see is we see a people, majority, uh, we always say that here at our organization, you know, 95% of the people are going to be great, um, and 5% make it a problem. And it's almost like you could apply that everywhere, right? There's a lot of great teachers, and 5% of them may not care about the students. You know, there's a lot of great doctors, and 5% of them may not care. You know, there's a lot, like any profession, we could say that. So it's similar to this kind of another group in our community. Hey, for the most part, 95% of them just need a helping hand. If we could help them, if we can kind of encourage them to kind of be more uh, productive, kind of, we need them. We need them, you know, working vendors at your at the stadium and stuff like there's jobs open for these individuals a guy that i work with he said a phrase that really resonated with me several years ago and the phrase was god doesn't make junk and and i think what you're talking about like the good egg bad egg type of situation i remember thinking of that in college for the first time um and and honestly it came from people in fraternities and sororities they get a bad rep but for the most part most people in fraternities and sororities are good and, and I started thinking about that with other walks of life. And I think that's the same way with, you know, kids. There's some, most of them are good, but a few bad eggs can really give a bad reputation for people. Um, and I think the other part that's interesting is when you start dealing with the mental illness. And all of us, you know, I think at the core, I hope all of us are compassionate people. Um, and when we're in a situation and we understand someone's got mental illness, 
we treat them different. And, and you want to help a kid that you know is struggling in class. You can tell some of those behavioral issues. Um, and to me, I think that's a part of it, too, is that it's, you know, to me, there's a, a part of it where they're, they're functioning adults that may just need a help. But part of it is to understand that some of them may have a mental illness. And I don't think anyone treats those people poorly on purpose. I think you have to have an understanding that that's something that when you have that small percentage of bad, that's a really high correlation. That's a great, great feedback. And I think that that's kind of what we're trying to do with this whole conversation is like, let's shine some light on what does it look like really to help somebody walk out life change. And so, you know, when you saw a need and you get a devotion, kind of get in charge, charged spiritually, like, hey, uh, God's telling me to go serve, like put my faith into action and to practice. And, uh, and so why was it intriguing to you to look at organizations? What were you thinking, you know, hey, I, I can't just run around and do this on my own. I, that's not your style. You work for a large organization, you know, the Cardinals. So like you already kind of saw that. So w- what was going through your head looking for other organizations to serve with? There's about five different roads I can go down with that question. Um, the first, I think, was the devotional. I think when you start there, it became very obvious to me that Jesus helped people. Um, and and I feel like I had always wanted to help people, but I think I had done it through helping with fundraising, being on a board, raising money. And I think that's, that's all great, and I think we need that. I think Springfield as a community, um, we're known for doing that and helping others. Um, but it's also, you know, Jesus wasn't a fundraiser, you know, Jesus wasn't doing that. He was with people. And I think that was the part that really resonated with me, that it didn't take away from anything I had done before to try to help, but it's like, if I wanted to help in that manner, I needed to do it with people. Um, And so I think that was kind of my first call to action, and it's also, as I was reading that, you see the word the homeless a lot is that he wanted to help with the homeless. He wanted to help with the homeless. Um, and so I started researching the organizations cause I didn't know how to, I, I just, I was lost. Um, I knew I needed to do something, but I didn't know how to do it on my own. Um, and when I found the different organizations, you know, what I'm doing to help is not what I envisioned. That was you twisting my arm and saying, please do it this way because it's not what I had envisioned in my mind. But I also, had to kind of check myself and say, Hey, if, if you're called to do it, you don't control the terms. I need to really kind of open and and listen with my head and my heart, um, on how, how to help. And I think it really did start with reading the devotional, um, realizing that it was about some call to action with people and not just fundraising. Um, and I think I was kind of with people that were all about fundraising and it just, I felt that I was called to do, to, act more like Jesus acted. Um, and I hope that I'm doing that. Um, and that's also why, that's also why to your point, I've been silent on this is that, uh, you know, I always felt that was a part of being called is that he didn't run around and brag about it. He did it and it didn't, he didn't necessarily want people to do it or to always know. Um, he kind of waited for some of that for people to realize, but I think that's why it was hard for me is like, if I'm really trying to do this in the spirit of what I think it means, do it quietly. Um, but I think from some encouraging from you and, and my wife, it's also that at the end of it, you, you need to help people on the biggest platform you can. Um, and hopefully to me, it's not just talking about what I do, but it's to keep doing it. So this afternoon I'm going back to class. Uh, so I got, I got my notes in my car so I, I can teach class this afternoon. Yeah. I love your honesty with all of that. And I, I, again, thank you for coming because I think that's the, 
the thing is you've been doing this for five years consistently week after week and there can be you know four guys there could be you know 14 guys you know and it's ever-changing but like you know I was there yesterday uh teaching my class and you know there's a guy that came he's from the street you know there's a guy that's coming from prison you know and sometimes they're excited and sometimes they're uh you can tell they're they're really thinking through things and there's there's just uh it, it, like trying to understand their story is so dynamic. Like, and uh, that's what I've really, it's a favorite part of my job. Like I get it. I get to go down there and it's my privilege to like share and have conversations because I'm like you, I'm a people person. Um, so when you think about serving with the organization, what kind of structure helped you? And, and even what you're saying, like, what did you have in mind when you think about helping the homeless? Was there kind of a picture of what you had in mind? Yeah, the picture in my mind was uh, delivering food, was handing out blankets, was was walking down a street and finding someone that was um, homeless. And I think looking into what this organization did and talking to you, it's it's also like, okay, well, here's the resources to not just – provide a, an instant boost but how to try to maintain long time and that's why you know you talked to me the class i've been teaching for five years is called life skills um which when i first started was like well what do you want me to talk about and it was like well whatever you think you do good i'm like well that's hard um because it's just it's it was uncomfortable because it's who you're talking to the the perceptions i had um but we talked about that in one of the very first class i taught was that everyone judges I judged, they judged me when I walk into a room. Um, but the best part for me when you're going through this is seeing their hearts change. And I still can remember one of the first people I remember watching that with um, was named Doug. And Doug, I know, has done a lot with you guys. And, and every time I see his face, I smile. But I can remember him in the first class or two angry. And I remember him sitting there looking at, looking at a desk with his arms crossed, and, and honestly, he was very intimidating to other people in the class because of his body language that way. Um, but it was amazing to watch him go from being angry to wanting to give me a hug on the way out um, after the 12 weeks. And I think when you see the way that hearts can change, that's what's made me want to keep doing it. And some weeks it's hard because when, when people change, some of them don't care as much. Some of them, you know, you could have a group of four people that are all on that like initial bad cycle. But what also is neat is when the other men in the group are learning from each other and the ones that their hearts are softening, you see them trying to help the others do it. Um, and I, I enjoy the, the whole duration of it to, because you can see change in 12 weeks and it, it's amazing. It's amazing to watch the change. I, I, I love everything you're saying because it's it's what we hope to do, right? We do do the street outreach. We do do. Uh, Victory Mission goes out to street outreach, and we, we interact with that. But it's always to get them into that long-term conversation because you're right. If, if we give them a boost and then we aren't there tomorrow, there's no boost. But if they can come in and, and learn and plan and – uh, I'd love to learn more about your class, but the first thing I'm thinking about is what you said about just trusting trusting us to kind of help give you direction because you might have got discouraged out, out on a street corner or ever, you know, giving out a few blankets, but you've barely been able to see how your your investment 
your time that you're investing there, you're seeing these guys' lives changed and your time is like multiplied. I don't know. I mean, how many people you think you've had a class with? A hundred or more? Uh, probably more. I mean, if you think of five years um, and the people that have gone through there, uh, and that part is great. And you know, the other part, I'll, I'm very honest with the guys in the class too. It's helped me, you know, by me talking about this on a 12 week cycle, every 12 weeks, I'll get back to a class that's about first impressions. And it reminds me of things I need to do. Um, every 12 weeks, I'll go through interview skills and it reminds me of things I need to do. Um, so I think when I started doing it, you know, I, I, you know, again, just honestly, I thought it about me helping others, but it has ended up helping me a lot. But I think it's also changed my perception of of the word homeless, the people that are homeless. Uh, and I think it's changed me a lot in what it softened me to care more about people. Uh, and I think that that simple phrase that a guy I worked with, um, his name is Scott Smolzinski, I'll give him credit because it's a great line. But I think that phrase, of, it was a really impactful when he said, God doesn't make junk. But when it's how you treat those people, how you look at them, am I living that way to realize God doesn't make junk? Um, and I think this class has, has helped me do that. Um, now, again, and I tell the guys, I never know if what I say is going to help them. I hope it does. And I hope if we have a one hour class, I hope they hear one nugget that can help them. Um, I don't control it if it does or if it does. I do my best and I hope that it does. Um, and it's always neat. Even walking into this building, it was, you know, one of the guys popped out from the kitchen. He's like, hey, how are you doing? And, and just to talk to them and to see them. Um, I've ran into people that I taught in class that are now going to the same church as me. I've ran into people that I taught in class that when they're at a game, they're doing their best to be able to try to find me at a Springfield Cardinals game. Um, and that part always makes me feel good because you never know if it helps. But to see their appreciation months and years later, uh, it does make you feel good. I mean, it does. Yeah, you're you're having an impact because you're being faithful, right? I mean, you're showing up, you're engaging in conversation, and because of that, pe people's lives are being changed. And uh, you're just you're a part of that. And I and I and I really like that. So, when you think about your class, like, what are some of the fun nuggets that you're giving these guys? Because, really you go in and just do yourself. And I, and I think that anybody listening to this podcast could be like, well, what do I have to offer? Well, you have yourself, you have your experience, you have the way you treat them. You know, I, I almost want to change our, every life has purpose to God doesn't make junk. Man, uh, you know, that's a good, good thing. But what, when you think about that, like, what are you sharing with them in some ways um, on who they are and things? Number one is time. Um, and, and I think whether that's the people in the class or if you're a parent, it's with your kids. Um, it's with, you know, your friends. The biggest thing you can give anyone is time because I think it shows you care. And I think when you can show up every week and be there, I think it matters. And I think when the guys find out, oh, man, like he's been doing this for five years, that's crazy. Um, I think that that helps. I think that's number one. Um, specifically, you know, the classes I started teaching Really, my strengths, I think, are, you know, sales, PR, interviews, interacting with people. And so I started doing those. And then I also try to mix in, you know, again, I am overweight. You know, it's again, I can walk into a room and if I go to the doctor, it's like, yep, you're considered obese. Awesome. Um, but but, it, but I still want to talk to them about uh 
some of them don't know how to cook healthy meals. They don't know what it means to look at labels, to shop, to make decisions. So I spend a class on health and wellness. It's not my expertise, but I did some research to be able to do it. Um, all of my classes, I come in with a, uh, an itinerary and notes um, because I want to make sure that they see that I didn't just show up to talk. I showed up with a plan and I, I have changed it. And what I've realized over the five years, any class where I can get their participation is a better class. Um, and so I've changed some of the subject matter. I've changed some of the approaches. Some of them I've been doing the same thing for five years. Um, and I'll probably continue. I teach one of the classes, the very first one, the first class I taught was first impressions. And the reason why I didn't know if I was going to teach a second class and because you're, you know, I had my vision of what I was supposed to do. You had a different vision. And I was like, all right, I'll try this one time. Um, and after the first class, it's like, all right, I'll do it a second time. Um, and then it kind of just kept going. Um, but that first class, my topic was like, all right, if I can only teach these guys one thing, it's how to make a better first impression. Um, whether it's going to apply for a job, whether it is you know, meeting someone in a grocery store, whether it's trying to gain friends, whether it's at work, personal, home, life, whatever it was, a positive first impression sets you up for people to like you more. Um, and I, I always define it as there's two tracks. When I meet someone I like, I'm looking for more reasons to like them. When I meet someone who's negative, I'm looking for reasons why I don't like them. And it happens that quick. So we spent an hour on first impressions, um, which is funny because the phrase first impression, uh, you know, you think of it as this quick moment, but there's so many different ways, um, whether it's, um, your verbal language, your body language, if you're applying the messaging that you're giving, the way you shake a hand, your eye contact, uh, what they research when they see you on social media. We talk about all these things in that class. Um, and that was the first one I taught him because like, if I only teach one class, I still wanted it to be impactful. Uh, and so first impressions, it's almost the exact same class that it was five years ago, uh, because I believe it. And, and I try to s stick to subject matter that I believe in. Um, and that's even my own job. You know, I have my job because I love it and I believe in it. Um, I don't know if I could go do sales for something I wasn't passionate about. So I try to take that same approach to all the classes is to teach what I believe in and teach what I'm passionate about. Are you worried how you'll get your groceries next week? Victory Mission can help. Our mobile food pantry partners with Ozark Food Harvest to provide groceries to our neighbors in need. We travel to sites across Springfield, Missouri every week to meet the immediate needs of our community. To find out more about Victory's mobile food pantry and find times and locations near you, visit victorymission.com forward slash mobile food pantry. And I think that fits for anybody listening could say, you know, hey, I, if you don't believe it, don't teach it. Like, don't give away. We like to say that around here. You can't give away what you don't possess. So if you don't have that confidence and stuff, you can't help somebody get confidence because you don't have it. Um, but I think for us, like we we want to help teach them because, you know, I back to our uh, the Jesus, you know, and all these things that the beautiful thing is when you kind of live in that paradigm, it's like Jesus was always saying, hey, you can be my disciple. He just called people up and they were the ones that deci decided to say, OK. And like that's what we're doing in this. What we really feel like is valuable at Victory is we want you to be here. Like we hire chaplains 
who graduate our program. We hire people uh, in the kitchen who are in our program. You know, we need them because, number one, it's hard to find great employees, but we grow them almost like kind of like Springfield Cardinals, right? Isn't that the point? Like, you got to grow your talent sometimes. But I love that story because I do need them to help me, and they, they help me grow, too, like you were saying. You learn more about yourself uh, than that. So when you think about helping I think sometimes we want to help because we want to be the rescuer. And what you were able to do here is you come and just present opportunities. And that that's really sales. That's anything, isn't it? Like, here's your opportunity. Do you want to walk it out or are you going to leave tomorrow? I mean, do you, and you've seen that down there when you're engaging with relationships. Uh, absolutely. And, and I think that's that's again one of the benefits is seeing the change and to see the way that it influences them uh you know and i, and I think that if i had walked in with the idea of i'm going to rescue someone um to be honest i think i would have gotten bored because it's like all right well i've helped a few people what's next what's next and i, I think that everyone needs a little bit more humility of how are you being rescued and I think that's still a big part of, of it for me, too, is that, you know, I'm always going to need to be able to be rescued. I'm always going to need to be able to understand my weaknesses. Um, I think by being here so long, it strengthened my relationship with God. It's 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 reconfirmed things, I think, professionally when I'm teaching the class. But more so, it's the why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why do I keep coming back? Um, I think all of those things are helping to rescue me. And I think when people are considering volunteering, I think it's an important thing to consider is it's not just how do you think you're helping them, but it's like, hey, do you need this? You know, do you need salvation? Do you need help? Do you need a closer relationship with God? Do you need, you know, do you need these things to help you along your way? And my answer was yes. Um, that's why I, I got started was really kind of that, you know, looking into my own life and saying, yeah, I've always been Catholic, I believe, but it was like, what was I doing about it? So to me, you know, I, I just say, when you say that word rescue, um, I don't look at it as me trying to rescue a soul. It's me trying to, to rescue myself. And, um, what's really awesome is I think it, it, it's like a positive cycle is that, yeah, I was trying to, to get better and to do this, but I'm trying to do it by doing it the exact same way. And I think that that word discipleship is exactly it. You know, a disciple is following, but then their job is to start trying to help and lead. Um, I think that's been a neat part about this class. And it's something I did not envision five years ago um, was that I think I would feel that excited because I do. I have guilt. When I miss a week, I feel guilty. And most of the time, I, I'm a, it's on my schedule. I tell them beforehand, but sometimes, like, all of a sudden, I'll get a call from our attorney, and I'm on a call with an attorney, and I miss, and it's like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? Um, but I think that's a good thing. I think if it bothers me that much when I miss a week, uh, that must mean I'm doing something right. And I, and I do tell the guys, it is a highlight of my week. Um, I love going home every day to my wife and my kids, and I love my time as a husband and a dad. And, you know, those are the important things to me, and honestly volunteering for victory mission is another one of those very important times of my week man thank you and th thanks for your vulnerability with that because it's you know we do need that and if you can't look retrospectively kind of at yourself and say oh my gosh i need a i need to grow in this area you know uh then you're you probably don't need a volunteer because it's it, it, there's a 
like maybe a boundary issue that you're going to end up doing because you your success is on their success and, and we can't affect their success all we can do is you know encourage them be a cheerleader stuff like that so yeah i, I want to jump in one more thing on, on that real quick everyone has a boss and this is something i've said that when i became general manager people like oh you're the boss i was like no no i still got a boss and if you're a business owner you still got a boss you may have a lot of bosses if you're a business owner um but everyone has a boss and i think sometimes that wherever you're at in your stage of life is to realize that um and ultimately i, I think that if you're a christian we all have a boss and and i think that that's something to kind of look at is that regardless of how successful you think you may be whatever position you're in we all have a boss and i think that's a, a part of that humbleness we all need to realize sorry i wanted to jump in on that no i love i love it and you're you're exactly right like i don't i don't show up here uh because it pays great uh you know i show up here because god told me i feel like god told me to be here right and i was the i was the man for the job for the time and as long as I'm doing that job, then it's that's where we need to be. Um, so thinking about communities, you know, and anybody could be listening to this probably in any community around the world, really, if they wanted to jump on our podcast. So when you think about that, like, what would they need to be thinking about? They're listening to this and they're like, man, I want to I want to grow as a person. I want to serve somewhere. I want to, you know, feel like I'm giving back in more ways than, you know, than just you know, take, take, take me, 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 which has kind of become at least our American dream kind of like serve me, gratify me, get what I want. Uh, so what would you tell somebody that said, hey, man, Dan, what do I need to think about as I start doing this? I mean, you've kind of hit around that, but like, are there other things that they should be thinking about besides just, hey, don't do it for yourself, do it for someone? Yeah. What's your higher calling and what's the example you're setting? Um, we all are able to decide for ourselves where we want to spend our time. And I said earlier that, that that's such a huge resource with how you spend your time. And when you think of the way that you go through your day, your week, your month, your years, you're making decisions on your own time. And are you using that to fulfill your higher calling? Um, and one of the things we talk about, one of the classes, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, and I try to break it down to a little bit simpler version. Um, but, you know, basically, you know, you start at the basics. We all need, we have to have food, air, shelter, you know, all those things. And, and everything is kind of a step up until it's what's your higher calling. And I think if you're really trying to have a fulfilled life and you're trying to find happiness that really the answer is what's your higher calling um, as opposed to living for yourself and the living for the, the the money and the needs and the goods it's what's your higher calling and regardless of what i could tell you on why i do it i would challenge people to look at it for themselves um, because when we when we pass you know our tombstones don't say a word about our jobs they don't say a word about our possessions um and i think sometimes it's you know i'm not trying to be morbid but sometimes i, I do fast forward to um what it's going to say and and for me you know it is being a christian it's being a loving husband father uh and, and trying to show people that you don't just listen to them that you love them um, and so I think when people are trying to decide what to do for themselves, I would challenge you to say, what's your higher calling? Um, 
on work, I gave a piece of advice out a few years ago and I hadn't really thought of it for myself, but since I've given it over and over, um, if you were going to give your top five priorities in life, what would those five be? And I think it's a good exercise to go through and to think about what are your five. Um, but the key to it is to then number them one through five. And I think why that's hard for people, I think they can list five pretty easy, but when you start numbering them, people don't want to. And the reason why is it's a way of you're holding yourself accountable and not everyone likes that. Um, but it's also, if you check off numbers two, three, four, and five, you're still not going to be happy because what you said was the most important thing in your life you didn't get. And I think that when you start getting that compass and you can understand what your goal is for happiness, um, I think it helps you lead a better life. And I think whether that's, you know, personal, spiritual, financial, whatever that is. And I think when you do those goals to really look at it, it gives you a path for your higher calling. It gives you a path on what to be happy. For some people, that answer is money. Num money is number one. Um, I don't think that's where either of us are. Uh, but I think it's a lot more money than in not-for-profits or minor league baseball. Um, but for some people, that is. But I think what's good about that is at least they know what their North Star is. So if they have a decision and they know that's their number one, that's not on me to judge. That's on them to decide. But at least they know the path they're giving themselves. And when people are considering what to do, I think it starts with really breaking down who you are. What's your higher calling? What's your compass? What's going to make you happy? And I think those are the things to start with before you get in the details. But if you want me to give a sales pitch on why to do it, I can give you a sales pitch. Um, but I also think that if you're having to give people a sales pitch, that's going to lead to short-term and turnover. Um, I think it's more important to be sustainable and find the people that have their heart in it. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I when you're saying that, I'm thinking of Simon Sinek's, you know, book, you know, start with why. And that's what he was really, the whole book is about is like, find why you do what you do. And until you do that, no one's going to follow you, right? For, whether it's work, whether it's your family, whether it's your significant other, your spouse or whatever, like all of those things if you don't know why you exist and you sort of your purpose in life, like you can't take anybody anywhere. And I, and I love that book, but that means the person volunteering, what I hear you saying is the person volunteering, you better have done your own work internally before you try to reach out and help somebody else. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and this is a line I repeat with friends and family coworkers. You can't help anyone if you can't help yourself. And, you know, it's a, uh, if you aren't in a good stable position and you're trying to help others, um, I, I think it can, it can do damage, um, to both them and you. Uh, and I think that's something you also have to realize not everyone wants to be helped. And even if you think it's logical, they don't want to be helped and, and they're not going to, no matter what you say, they're not going to be helped because they have to want to help themselves first. And, you know, the harder part for people to think about is not the other people who don't want to be helped. It's yourself. Are you really looking for those reasons? Are you willing to be helped? Are you looking for those right reasons? Um, but I think you do have to get yourself in a good mental spot. Uh, but I also think if you're not in a spot, that's also why you quit, you know, is that you maybe you made a decision that wasn't firmly based. Um, and hopefully people do decide, I, you know, I do think people as a whole, they want to be good. They want to help. They like others. Um, I do believe that I, I'm definitely a more of a half glass, half full kind of guy. Um, and I think they want to, but I think it, a lot of that does start. Um, and I've already mentioned it once when it comes to mental illness, but I'm a really big advocate for, for mental well-being. Um, 
you know, I think the stuff that Burl has done in our community to bring light to it, um, and there's others too, but I think the conversations are better. Um, I hope that I have uh, raised, you know, kids that are in a good mental well-being. I hope my wife is that way. Um, I hope every one of our coworkers is that way. Uh, and I think that all of us, we should try to appreciate that about others. You know, what what can we do to be in our own positive mental state and what can we make sure others are doing as well? And we can't make sure of it, but what can we do to help them be in it? Um, and I think there's things that you can do the way you treat others that can reflect that. I believe you said that, right? Listen and love, right? You first listen for understanding and then you love. Love is a verb. You know, it's, it's things, Hey, I really love you. I uh, hope that gets fixed. But like, Hey, is there anything I can do to help is different. It's a whole different perspective. So Say somebody's thinking and listening to this and they're like, man, that's great for all these faith based people, you know, or that's good for you guys. But I just want to help because, you know, humankind. I mean, what would you tell somebody like that? Like there's there's a ton of nonprofits, right? I mean, you you're you have raised a lot of money and you guys are very giving to the Springfield Cardinals and, and what you get to do. So just talk. I mean, you looked at other organizations and stuff, too, right? Yeah, I did. Um, and the reason, again, it still goes into the timing was unbelievable to be sitting on my couch on one on a probably a Wednesday night and looking at different organizations in Springfield, finding Victory Mission, spending probably more time on that side than others, then meeting you the next day. It was crazy. Um, and I think it does help that, I, you know, I am faith based. Um, but morals and ethics, those aren't restricted to, you know, just Christians. And I, I think that that's a part of it is if people are being a, a Christian well, they're welcoming to everybody. Um, and I think that goes for the path and, and uh, the path that we're supposed to follow. Um, and I'd say if you're looking to do that, yeah, I don't care if, if you believe or not. I hope you believe. Um, I think that's a part of being a Christian. You do hope people believe. Uh, but it's still that we can still be friends. We can still stand side by side and help. You wanting to be a good person and me wanting to be faithful it's still probably the same end result. It's just a little bit different way of doing it. And I think when people are doing that, I think to realize that it's okay, even if you have some different beliefs, um, because do I have different beliefs from the guys in the class? Yeah. Do I have different beliefs from some people at church, from my own family, from my friends, people I work with? Yeah, I do. But I can still try to respect them, try to learn from them, um, because I think when you're learning, you're also growing. And, you know, I think that if you only surround yourself with the same type of people over and over, you're kind of restricting your ability to grow and learn as a person. Uh, and so, yeah, I hope that everyone's doing it. Come on over. Let's talk um, on this you know, podcast. We're talking, you know, about religion. When I'm in the classes, some classes, the guys ask questions and we talk about theology and religion. Others. It's literally only about interview skills. We don't say a word about uh, about faith in it, um, and I think that's okay. But I'd say, no, it doesn't have to be about religion. I mean, just morals and ethics and being a good person goes a long way. Yeah, that kindness virtue, uh, we've kind of lost it maybe as a community, well, as a culture, but we could bring that back because, you know, it doesn't, it's not, it shouldn't be attached to a Christian value or anything, or even a religious value, it should be attached to kind of like you're human. I'm a human. What if we showed each other dignity because we're both trying to, you know, make it through our life. So when, when we think about churches, we're going to talk more about those in some other podcasts. Um, but you know, just thinking about you being down there, I'm so grateful because 
the reality is you've done your homework right on yourself. You've done the, the work. You're you're showing up and seeing what you can bring and the experiences that you have and the value that you've learned through your own experiences, but you're also open and learning and constantly growing. And, and that's really what we're trying to give to those guys that you get to teach from. And, and the women that are our program are really anybody we would interact with, you know, on the street, somebody you interact with, you hope, Hey, maybe you can grow. Maybe you can become a different person. Maybe. And, and if they're sitting there saying, no, I can't. Well, of course you can't, because as long as you have that kind of mindset, you'll never change. But you're giving that hope, almost saying, hey, I, tomorrow I want to be a better Dan Ryder than I am today. And you're essentially giving that to those guys in your class the same way. Like, be somebody new. Be different. Well, thank you. I mean, it's a lot nice in that. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I'm much more comfortable talking about the details. Uh, but, you know, it's something that, way I've described it to some others, well, I get a lot of calls from college students. A lot of them want to know how to become a general manager, how to do this, how to do this. And, and I answer that on repeat. And one of the things that I consistently have to tell them, and, and I have to preface it by saying I'm not being a jerk, okay? Don't think I'm attacking you. But the real answer is stop asking questions and start doing. Um, there was no magic red or blue pill that I took one day to wake up as a general manager. Um, it took a lot of struggles, a lot of growth, a lot of work, a lot of learning. Um, it, it's a really long path, and but the path doesn't happen unless you start. Um, you can't volunteer for five years unless you start with the first day. Um, the guys in the class is that, no, you can't fast forward to own your own business until you understand these things along the way. And I think that's something that, that to me, I say this to all walks of life from the high school kid, the college kid, to people on our staff. It's like there's no magic answer that you can just keep talking about to people. Um, and I think for myself, I think I was in a rut about talking about going to volunteering, about thinking about how to do it. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to take the first step, you know, take the first leap, uh, whatever it is that you have to do. And I think that's just advice I continuously give and an answer I continuously give. There's no magic pill to make your life better. Um, you have to start and it is a lot of work and it is retrospective. It's learning by failures. Um, and I'm never afraid in those classes. Oh, I talk about my failures. Um, I talk you know, if you look at all the different things we talk about, I talk a lot about my own failures. I talk about my wife, my kids, my siblings, my parents. And part of that's so that they understand I'm still a real person. I've still gone through trouble. I'm, I am going to be vulnerable and tell you about the issues that we've had. Um, but every one of those things, it's one step and, and you have to get started. And I think that's where a lot of people fall is they, they're afraid to start. Um, but if you're afraid to start, you're going to go literally nowhere. Thanks for the matrix reference, by the way, for appreciate red, blue, blue, blue pill. Um, and that's, I think that's so wonderful. And where we can almost kind of wrap up this conversation is, look, you can think about volunteering, you can dream about it, you can do all these things. But the reality is you need to find an organization that you believe in. And, and they have a spot for you to serve. Because you can't go rogue, you know, because you're going to end up getting places in situations where it might be you're too extended or you don't have enough time for that, where the organization helps gives you that structure. Uh, you're learning from the experts. You're stepping out in those ways, but you're just, you got to start. Like, 
go do something. You got to get started. Um, and again, I will admit that to everybody is that I had probably been saying for multiple years to people, you know, I'd hit a spot where I felt like I had done a lot of the boards, a lot of the volunteering, you know, emceeing events, and I felt like I needed to do it, but I was afraid to start. I was, didn't know where to go. And it was a bad rut for me to be in. Um, ultimately, it was just like meeting you was like, great, let's, we're going to go to coffee. We're going to talk about this. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but it was still just like, okay, at least I was starting. Um, and sometimes the best thing you can learn is what you don't like. And if I had showed up and I hated it, at least I would have known what I didn't like. And I could have said, Jason, I hate that class. What else do you got for me? Um, and if I didn't like that, I could say, Hey, Jason, I didn't like the class. I didn't like the other opportunity. What else do you got for me? And I think I'm the type of person that if I still didn't like it, I would have said, Jason, I tried. It's not clicking. Is there somewhere else that maybe, you know, if I can do this. And I think that's a neat part about our community. People do refer others. Um, there's so many great organizations in this community that you can find a passion if you want to. Um, if you're saying you can't find something, you're lying to yourself. I mean, plain and simple, you're just full of it and you're not intending to have action. Um, but, but I think that's the part where even if you start and it's not what you liked, you learned a really valuable lesson. You still have to start. Yeah, I love, uh, what I, as you said that, I just thought of the quote by uh, Gandhi who said, you know, be the change you want to see in the world, right? You can sit and round and gripe on social media all you want, uh, but you've got to just be the change. See, you at Gandhi, I was thinking that uh, I'm going to start with the man in the mirror. So if I want to make the world a better place, <laughs> you go Gandhi, I'll go Michael Jackson. All right. Yeah. Hey, hey, both of them have a lot of value. So we just put Michael Jackson, Jesus, and Gandhi all in the same podcast. That's something. <laughs> And the Matrix. That's right. There we go. Could add that one. Yeah. So uh, that could be the whole intro. Come for my <laughs> all those things. Anyway, <laughs> hey man, thank you for coming and thank you for serving. Most importantly, I want to say thank you for being faithful. Um, I think men, we need more men that are faithful, right? We need more people in general, but I think so many times. Um, you know, men and dads sometimes get the bad rap. You know, we got the Homer Simpson of the world out there. But I appreciate you being a great husband, uh, being a great father, uh, being a great community leader. But also, I appreciate your five years serving at Victory and just being faithful, man. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And thanks for coming. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm honored to be here and a little bashful, too, um, which is rare for, I think, anyone who knows me well. Uh, but but I, I just appreciate what this does for the community, the opportunities it's given me, um, the opportunities it's given everyone that you help. So thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Brighter Stories podcast. What did you think of this episode? Jump on, leave us a review, and let us know. We put out a new episode every first and third Friday of the month, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any content. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Springfield Victory Mission. Until next time, I'm your host, Jason Henson. Thanks for tuning in.